The Church, in her wisdom, sets out weekly readings from the Gospels. These readings allow us to follow the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the story of our salvation. Upper Room Media presents to you the weekly Sunday homily delivered from Sydney, Australia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I think one of the things that is pretty common within our culture, but also I think in, in many you know, cultures and circles and communities, this idea that like, oh, I know them very well, right? How many times have you like talked to somebody and like, oh, I know them so well, right? And then you kind of ask questions like, oh, how do you know them? Like, oh, we took one class together back in, you know, school together, like, you know, 20 years ago, right? But all of a sudden that one class constitutes knowing somebody very well, right? And it's common, you know, you know, people, People call me and say, like, oh, Bona, like, do you know so-and-so? And I could say, yeah, yeah, I know them very well. But sometimes it's always not the honest, like, it's an honest reflection of how well we know somebody else. But it's common that we say, oh, I know somebody very well, right? When we recommend somebody to somebody else, and they're like, oh, how well do you know? So well, they're great. But it, how many people have had an opportunity to recommend somebody for either a position or like an opportunity and you recommend them and inside you're like, I really don't know them that well. And I don't know how this is going to go. And I'm kind of afraid that if I recommend them that it's not going to go well. All right. And I learned this one of the ways is that back when I was applying for medical school, you know, I would go to somebody like he was one of the elders in the church, one of the other deacons, and he was a physician himself and had a long history. And I was like, oh, uncle, can you write me a letter of recommendation? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like, you're such a great person, da 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 da, da and I'd be happy to do it. Just send me your transcript. It's like, can we do this without the transcript? Because I don't think you know me that well, right? Because my grades don't reflect how well you think you know me. Right? So there's always an opportunity while we know somebody to know them a bit deeper, right? And it's only when you get into certain situations, right, that really kind of challenge the status quo or challenge like the superficiality of the of the situation that you really begin to know somebody, right? And we can relate to people on so many different levels. Right, which is how we claim, oh, I know them so well, right? We have family relationships, we have cultural relations, we have our social circles. These are all the different ways that we get to know people, right? And, and while we get to know people, the question is always, well, how well or how deep do we truly know somebody? And it's until you have a challenging situation or a unique circumstance that you really don't get to know somebody that well, right? It's not the first time, like, I've, you know, talked to somebody who's kind of later on in their marriage, and they're like, yeah, I didn't know this part about them, right? And so it's a natural part of life. It's a natural part of growing, right? Every, every spouse can look at their, you know, their partner and be like, yeah, I didn't know that about you, right? And you find out after there's no returns, Right. And, and so it's, it's challenging, but it offers an opportunity for you to grow deeper in the relationship. Right. And, 
And it's kind of like with this that I want to dive into the gospel of today because we have this conversation captured in the gospel of John where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he is telling them about his death and his resurrection that is about to happen as he gets closer to Jerusalem. And in preparation for that, Jesus is doing a lot of teaching. And one of the things that he is, is, is trying to teach them is more about who he is in relation to the Father. And this was an ongoing lesson from the time he began his ministry to the time that he ascended into the heavens. He was constantly trying to teach them about who he was. He wanted them to know him very deeply, all right, as deep as humanly possible. And we see throughout the pages of Scripture, when we read this story or the narrative of Jesus as disciples, we see sparks of hope that, oh, they really do understand. But then we see other situations where, like, they have no idea who he is, right? And it's an ongoing situation, right? And, and we need all these events or, or um, challenges that the disciples are facing in order for them to really understand who Jesus is. And I give you one example. There was, there was this one um, event captured in Scripture where James and John, this is when he sent them out two by two, they went to Samaria and they weren't received very well in Samaria. And they came back after their time of mission and they went and they said, don't go so well, do you want us to call fire and brimstone upon the city? And what did the Lord say? He's like, no, you don't know the type of spirit that I am because I didn't come to destroy, I came to save. So there, we see that they knew Jesus, but how deep they knew him and how well they knew him was still ongoing. It was still ongoing. He was always trying to opening, he was always trying to open their eyes so that they can see him clearly. And in these verses that we have today, Jesus is going on um, a little you know, a couple verses where he is saying, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And if you know me, then you know the Father, right? We read these lines in scripture and we're like, okay, I kind of get what he's saying. I'm not exactly sure what he's saying, but I think the general idea is that God, you know, Jesus and the Father are one, right? It's kind of one of these, but if you, you know, put yourself all the way back in the time of Jesus and everything that was hitting the disciples, to take that verse and comprehend it and to really understand it is huge, right? We struggle to understand some of the verses in Scripture now, and we have kind of the whole picture, so to speak, but the disciples are always trying to put this picture together. And so Jesus kind of says these couple verses where I and the Father are one, and if you know me, then you know the Father. And one of the disciples or collectively, they responded to him saying this in, in verse 29 and 30. It says, his disciples said to him, see, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you came, that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. Right? And the key part of this is by this, we believe that you came forth from God. This is a powerful statement that the disciples are making. Because of what you just said, and that you weren't like teaching us in parables, and that you just said it clearly that if you know me, then you know the Father, the disciples are coming to this conclusion, by this we believe that you came forth from God. 
I'm going to ask you this. What is the only way to verify that the disciples actually believe this? What is the only way to verify that the disciples actually believe that Jesus came forth from God? You got to put it up to the fire. Right? You have to test it. It's the only way to verify a statement like this. The only way to verify a statement of belief is to see if the action that comes after it matches. It's the only way to verify a statement of belief. Which is why our Lord said this. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Question for you is, what do you think the tone of Jesus' response is? That is where we have to read Scripture and understand a bit of tone. Do you believe now? Oh, so the, the raising of Jairus' daughter, that wasn't enough? The feeding of the 5,000, that was enough? When I walked on the water, that wasn't enough? You, you believe it because of what I just said? And theologians are going to like debate these verses for years to come, but you just got it? Right? Do you believe? Because right after this, you're all going to scatter. Right? You're all going to scatter. When you see me captured and tortured and crucified, you're all going to run. And you're going to go back to your own. To say that we believe that you came from the Father, we have to kind of, to understand the magnitude of this, we have to say, how was God looked at by the Jewish nation? God was seen as the protector, the deliverer. He was undefeatable. He was eternal. These were all the characteristics that were assigned to God. And so for Jesus to say, I am the Father, are one, then by virtue of that statement, he's taking on all these characteristics. He's taking on everything that they knew and understand about who God was from all the history of the Old Testament, right? From all the plagues and the deliverance on, you know, from Pharaoh and, and sustaining them in the wilderness, all these different you know, qualities and attributes that they have learned about God, that God described himself as. By Jesus saying, if you know me, then you know the Father, saying, I have all these same attributes. But in the capture of Christ, his ensuing torture and crucifixion, what we realize is that their belief in this statement was a bit more shallow than it was meant to be. Because as all the disciples were really struggling with how to reconcile his death, right, and, and the beginning of, of, of speak of his resurrection, they were still confused. Even if we look at Cleopas, uh, who is one of his followers, and he's one of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, what does he show us? He says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this today is the third day since these things have happened. So even like his, his followers were looking at all the events and saying like, is he who he said he was? Because if he, if he is who he said he was, then it should play out differently, right? They were struggling with this. 
And as the disciples, their belief, right, and their statements of belief were put to the trial through his crucifixion and ensuing resurrection, right? The depth of their belief in the statement was seen in their actions, right? How much they actually believed that statement was seen by their actions, how they responded to the situation. And that's important because that's what we have to take, right? And we have to look at it ourselves and say, okay, well, when I am tested, when I like am facing really difficult situations, what do my actions say about what I actually believe? Because it's very easy to say, well, I believe. If I pulled everybody, if I gave everybody a scantron here, do you believe in God? A, yes, B, no. What would I get? Everybody would say yes, okay? Do you believe that he will deliver? A, yes, B, no. So everybody's gonna mark A, right? We all have belief, but the question is, what's the depth of our belief? And the only way to answer the question of how deep is our belief is to evaluate my actions in the midst of situations. Because all of us are guilty, and I am guilty of this many times, is that I tend to jettison my faith, I tend to put it on the side when I'm faced with some difficulties. Right? I take matters into my own hands. I try and solve it my own way. I try and play hardball sometimes. I choose not to forgive. All this is more evidence of my own faith than anything else. And Jesus knew that we were going to always be on this journey of deepening our faith, of growing in our faith. And he knew that the challenges we would face would reveal how deep or how shallow, in some cases, our faith is. But he wanted us to know that in all the challenges that we face, he has overcome them. He's overcome them because he's taken the one challenge that none of us could ever defeat on our own, and he's defeated, which was overcoming death. But on his way to death, on his path to death, on his path to the cross, what did he deal with? Everything that you and I do. He dealt with abandonment. He dealt with betrayal. He dealt with false accusations. He dealt with physical and mental abuse, right, during his trials. He dealt with very, very difficult provisions. He dealt with, you know, having almost no money for the entirety of his ministry. He dealt with all the things that we deal with. But through all, what did he do? He looked to his father, and his father provided. Which is why at the end, he says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you, have made, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Right? He's overcome all that we struggle with. But we need to take the challenges that we face, the adversity that we face in life, and begin to see that he shared in that adversity. He walked the same path. He dealt with the same struggles. And he wants to walk with us. And as he walks with us, he provides everything that we need to get through it. So there's two things that I want us to, to kind of take home from this is we need to look at the challenging situations in life 
and try and honestly evaluate what is my response to them. Right? Even get another person to lay eyes on the situation and to give you honest feedback. Say, how did I conduct myself? How did I deal with the situation? We need that. We need to see that. And it's hard sometimes. Sometimes it's embarrassing. And sometimes we feel guilty or ashamed. But the reality is when we look at these situations and we look and we see how I responded in difficult situations, it will tell me something about the depth of my faith. Right? Not that if I have faith or not. We need to stop thinking black and white, but we need to think more of on a continuum of superficial to deep. Everybody has faith, but to what extent? We're all being tested to grow our faith. So we need to look at our responses in difficult situations and ask a simple question. What do my actions verify about my faith in Christ? And the second is we need to keep guard over our spiritual rules. Because one of the things that difficulties do is it throws us off our spiritual rhythms. And our spiritual rhythms are so important because our spiritual rhythms are the cadence that we need in order to grow continually in our relationship with God, to grow in our understanding of Him, to become more clear in how we see Him. And that clarity of vision of, of, of who He is then comes back to, to impact the way that we live, the decisions that we make, how we face the different challenges in life. So we need to do these two things. Always give ourselves an honest evaluation about how I respond. And maybe our response is, I was not forgiving. I was too critical, right? Or I was really struggling to trust that God would provide. Or I didn't want to say anything in this situation because I knew the repercussions. I don't want to deal with it. Whatever the situation is, challenge yourself to be honest in your evaluation. All of us will find things, myself included. All of us will find things that like, ah, shouldn't have done that. But then let's transition that and say, okay, then I need to continue to deepen my relationship with him. And we do that by continuing to guard and nurture our spiritual rhythms. And the two work together. And I want to leave us with just, again, reading this last verse. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me, in me you may have peace. Right? Everything that we deal with, all the adversity, is overcome. We need to find peace in that. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. There is not a challenge in the world that we will face that he has not overcome. There's not a challenge in the world that we will face that he has not already overcome. And that is the peace that we find. And if we find him through our challenges, we will find that peace that he's offering. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.